welcome to Breaking the Bro Barrier, inspiring a female digital workforce. Now, sexism in tech is a global problem. In the US, 60% of female tech professionals claim they have been offered lower salaries than their male counterparts for the very same job at the very same company. Even once they reach the top, female tech COOs are consistently underpaid with um, 12% of them earning less than their male equivalents. Remember the Google engineer who wrote that internal email about how women weren't suited to his industry because they were neurotic and more interested in feelings than ideas. So what's it like to take on the tech bros? Some say edtech is more female friendly than other areas of tech. Is it? Let's find out. With me are three women who are all highly accomplished in this field. We have Giseth Garcia. She's a Southern Californian who ended up in Bolton, Lancashire. Might even be <laughs> Can you hear me, guys? Yes. Great. So Giseth um, is a Southern Californian. She's now living in Bolton, Lancashire. So that's a real like-for-like -like swap there. Um, she co-founded Near Life with husband Todd after working for the UN in post-war Kosovo. And it delivers brilliant, interactive, immersive, scenario-based learning for um, the international humanitarian aid and security sectors. Uh, we've also got Chloe Barrett, who is a former dental nurse and also a former professional dressage rider turned founder and CEO of Immersify Education, which is aimed at student dentists. Um, and that uses AR, uh, animation, gamification, and so on to make better dentists. And I think that's something we can all get behind. She also mm -hmm. created um, a women's entrepreneur group called um, AWE or AWE, Awesome Women Entrepreneurs based in the Northwest. And we have Rosie Bennett of the Set Squared Partnership, who's been involved in media and technology since the late 90s, working for the BBC online in its very early days. Um, Rosie has launched a consultancy, worked with a venture capital advisory firm and co-founded a startup. She is now investment manager at the Set Squared Partnership, which is the world's number one university business incubator. So she's been involved with loads of startups. Uh, she also runs tech meetup IT Girls Collaborative. They're all very busy, which is why I'm really... Thank you very much for giving us some of your time today. Um, quick icebreaker. What have you all missed most during the pandemic? Let's go to you, Rosie. Well, considering I've got a daughter who's in year 11, I'd say GCSEs. But... Um, <laughs> From a teaching perspective, I, you know, I know it's been hugely challenging, so I'll probably go for um, swimming in the sea, I think, because on a day like this, that's where I'd love to be. And you, Chloe? Yeah, I'd say, um, apart from uh, my hairdresser, <laughs> I'm <laughs> looking forward to getting back to, um, I'd say just the freedom to be able to sort of venture out, go to different places, um, see friends and family. Um, so, yeah, I think they would, they're the main things. Not long now, hopefully. Um, and just Seth, how about you? Um, so I actually had a holiday booked uh, for July, 
to oh. Mexico. And since lockdown, sort of been counting the days that we finally find out that it's been cancelled. Um, and not that I've missed that, but it's sort of been like I, I've known for a few months that I'm going to miss my, my holiday. Oh. So that's sort of been a bit disappointing, especially when it's days like today when it's so hot. You just want to be somewhere near the sea. Yeah. Like, Oh, well, thanks. Um, so you have all founded startups and I would like to know what are your abiding memories of that period in terms of being a woman entering a male dominated arena? Can we start with you, Joseph? Um, well, I, I've kind of cheated because I've gone into it sort of with a male partner. So that sort of I can't say that I've like been as brave as doing it on my own, like other women have. Um, and it does probably help things along a bit more. Um, he, you know, you just, just because you have someone that you can sort of bounce ideas off of. Um, and also because you have sort of that different dynamic. And I'm, I'm really risk averse. And he's really, you know, just more likely to take chances and so we sort of I hold him back and he pushes me forward so that really helps I think I think if I was doing it on my own it would be really it would have taken me a lot longer to do something like this so um so from that so I think I've been kind of lucky to have had that um to push me out of my comfort zone and how about you um Chloe yeah I would say um I think, I think starting. I think starting a company, um, no matter who you are, is always difficult. Um, I started a previous company before this as well, so I've sort of this is sort of my second company um, in terms of sort of starting up. So I had a, even though that wasn't in technology, that was in education. Um, so I think in the technology field, I think, I think it's also your mindset. So although, yeah, women you know, we, we are a minority in, in the tech field. I think it's your mindset to think of, you know, we don't have to be. And if we can, you know, keep continuing, keep them steps forward to making sure that we are making it equal and making, you know, opportunities equally available to us and showing other women that, you know, also leading the way in such way. Um, I think so, so for example, a couple of opportunities that I, um, I am always about to throw yourself into opportunities because you never know what can happen. So I'm very much like that. And I think the trip I went on to India and Lisbon, I was the only female founder that went on the trip and I was a panelist and a speaker and I was with, you know, it was all, all men and then me. But I didn't really see it that way. I think maybe because I've grown up with four brothers, I didn't I didn't see I was a minority. I just thought I'm part of this with other people in such a way. And like I say, I know there's there's many steps that we have to take forward and there's, we're still, you know, I think for, for me, we're doing, in the UK, we're doing amazing things in for women in tech, um, female founder um, opportunities. So, think yeah I think if we all just work forward together collaboratively I can only see it continuing to, to improve. Mm. Um, Rosie how about you because you founded a setup but you've been involved in lots of other people's uh, startups um, as well how do you see this? Um, yeah so yeah I, I echo um, Chloe's comments actually about it being very hard because obviously um, 
you know any any startup is hard and um when i you know when i was running my startup that that curve that lovely curve that people show on graphs about growth um you know and it's really smooth and actually when you're when you're doing it it doesn't feel smooth at all it's very bumpy and uh, we used to call those bumps wiggles of of um, false hope and uh, and trust of despair you know so so it's 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 you know your resilience levels need to be very high and also you know as as women i think you know we have imposter syndrome and it's something we 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 have and we we you know we have to deal with all through our lives in every circumstance but i think running a startup that that really it really brings it out because you're completely um at the forefront of having to sell the whole time and that's selling your idea it's selling your your um uh, your, your idea to an investor, selling your idea to customers, and you're very exposed. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's particularly challenging um, f for women. Um, however, I, I agree that you know the, the more support and the more preparation you can access, and you know I suppose that's what I do now is, is supporting female entrepreneurs to act, to access the, the tools to, to make it an easier journey. Mm. Have you found Rosie that uh, women get asked questions that men wouldn't be asked? Um, there's a there's a really interesting TED lecture by uh, a lady called Dana Cancer, and um, it's it's all about uh, in an investment scenario how how um, she's done a, a great uh, PhD thesis on it, and it's and she examined lots of questions that are asked of women, and they tend to be asked questions which expose the risks in a business rather than the questions that expose the potential. So you can go and look at the TED lectures. I won't go into it um, in detail, but it's a really interesting. Um, uh, example of how um, you know the unconscious bias does come out in in those scenarios where, where a woman is actually being asked about risk in in particular. Mm, that's very interesting. Um, now Silicon Valley is is well documented as being pretty awful to women from inappropriate comments to differences in pay. Um, how do you think the UK compares? Uh, Chloe, you've spent time in Silicon Valley. Maybe you want to take that one first. Um, yeah, so I suppose I, I didn't experience that when I was there, but I was in a, a female tech accelerator. So um, obviously we had a lot of support around us and it was it was all women, but we had a lot of mentors that were men and women. So ultimately um, I, didn't, I didn't personally experience that, but we did ever so slightly sort of experience as um, I think Rosie pointed out with regards to that risk and then questions we got asked um, in that manner when we had um, to pitch in front of um, venture capitalists in Silicon Valley the questions really surrounded um, the risk factor rather than the potential so I think that really highlighted I think um, one of one of the women on the accelerator was actually awfully upset with what a couple of um a couple of people asked in terms of it just wasn't inappropriate to ask. So I have firsthand sort of seen it and suppose experienced it. Um, and in the UK, I think I think it's a difficult one because I think in Silicon Valley, um, for me, they see above and beyond what could be in your company. It's like bigger the better. Where in the UK, sometimes you can be more conservative I'm not saying everyone's like that but the some experiences I've um some some things I've experienced is is more conservative and I think maybe you know when us women come with a plan that is global and big and yes you know we want to aim to be this big 
sometimes it can be shrunk down a little bit to, well, don't rush that and do that. And it's like, well, you know, there's nails next to me saying I'm going to go global, I'm doing this, and they don't get shrunk down the same way. So I have experienced that as well. Um, I think in the UK, I think, um, we again, I think we have, I think we're learning. I think we are understanding um, sort of, what what is appropriate and what's not appropriate and I think that's slow I can see some change in that I suppose um than I could do maybe three years ago um but yes there's differences I think it just depends what you've experienced as well Hmm. Rosie what what have you been to Silicon Valley Rosie I imagine you must have been at some point yeah, I've been a couple of times actually, and, and one of my, I, I went in the in the 90s, so it's quite kind of early days, but um, one of my memories was going into one of those uh, breweries, you know, they have like the um, little craft breweries everywhere, Microbrewery. microbreweries, yeah. and uh, it was just full of men, and I was like, goodness me, you know, really, there are really no women here, but um, <laughs> it was it was quite interesting, but what, um, I know the Brotopia um phrase is, is coined by Emily Chang um, in, her, in her book and um, you know having read a little bit of that I think it, some of it is is quite funny because it's you know she talks about these afternoon sex parties and and uh, <laughs> and you know, I don't know and I'm kind of imagining how that would translate into the Bath Innovation Centre but I, yeah, <laughs> I think there's, there's definitely extremes there but um, you know on a, on a serious note I think the, the tech sector is so diverse and I think it's really important when we when we talk about diversity and when we talk about um you know um different barriers that we need to break it down into into what we're actually talking about when we talk about tech sector. Um, you know, there's there's the day-to-day hierarchies within a large organization and many of those Silicon Valley organizations are um, you know, they they've been on a very fast growth path, they're they're well funded, they've there's multi-layers of teams, probably very bad management, probably really bad HR practices because they've grown so fast. So, you know, within that context, I think you're gonna get issues in any sector. Um, and I think when I think about the the tech sector in the UK and my experience of it and that's probably you know London but also the Bristol Bath tech, tech cluster it's really um, support mutually supportive um, and uh, and actually the, the company the tech companies are smaller they're very integrated people tend to work move between them um, there's a lot of uh, meetup groups there's a lots of support and it feels to me that um, you know that that's that that does you know, give give weight against it becoming too ingrained, too macho culture becoming ingrained. And just Seth, I'll I'll pop this question over to you now. Uh, You are a Californian. um, So Silicon Valley or the UK, which is the best place to be a woman in tech? Um, I don't know. I I think it depends what what you want, really. If, If you want to run your business at your own pace and um, yeah and own more of it yourself and really lead it maybe the UK is better for that Um, because like Rosie said you are there are a lot of smaller entities but if you want to you know really explode your business fast fail fast burn that sort of stuff and you don't mind being in maybe jock is the wrong kind of word to use but it's a little it feels a little bit like that when you hear the stories that come out of of that of silicon valley um i don't know if it's because they weren't jocks in high school so they have something to prove Uh, i don't um but if i think if you if you want to 
you know, if you if you've got the the guts to go out there and really, I'm gonna just hustle this. This is not like maybe this isn't a lifelong project for me. This is just a quick get in and out and you know really sell it. Then then I think you you've got to go to California really for that. Um, it's a completely different lifestyle and culture. I think I think the U.S. is probably a little bit more sexist than the U.K. Um, in terms of finance, obviously, in the that's just an old establishment sort of industry. So you will probably encounter more sexist comments there in terms of raising funding. Um, but in terms of tech, it has been very supportive. Um, men do come to women events in Manchester. You know, and they're welcome. Um, it's very collaborative. So, um, yeah, obviously you can't you can't generalize everything. I'm sure there are a lot of lovely places in um, in Silicon Valley and even in the the tech hubs of New York. Um, but yeah, I think if you want to own and nurture your business and grow it at your own pace, I think you're better off in the UK. Mm. Good answer. I like that answer. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad that was the answer. <laughs> um, it said. It is said by by many people that edtech is more female friendly uh, than the rest of the tech world, um, and that maybe this is because teaching is female dominated. Um, indeed, uh, some of the biggest edtech entrepreneurs, such as. Daphne Collar of Coursera come from an education background, but is it that simple? I mean, none of you come from a teaching background. Um, is edtech less sexist than other areas of tech? If so, why? Uh, Rosie. Um, I think it's a hard one, really, because um, I work across so many different um, types of technology, and I think deep tech is, is quite male-dominated because it's it tends to be a kind of engineering and STEM um, area. So I think on that on that sense, maybe there's a humanities bias. Maybe you know, maybe does it's. You know, I, think, I think there's a lot about entry points and how you get into the tech industry that you're in. And, and I guess in ed tech, um, you know, when we talk about problem, solution, innovation, you know, you're seeing problems. And so that naturally leads to you, if you are entrepreneurial, to to um, to try and seek a solution and to think, gosh, I'm empowered to to, to provide a solution. And so, you know, it's a, it's a really great way to go and start a, a startup because you've got to actually good tangible problem to solve um, and I do think teachers make great entrepreneurs you know they're constant innovators creative agile great communicators highly resilient so you know I think it's actually you know a, a good fit um, so I you know I think in terms of the numbers of of women within the within a tech, a tech it's probably higher than the other sectors that I work in mm. so in that sense probably is friendly just mm. Seth what do you think I think I think yes because it's um, it's it's a sort of like an interdisciplinary um, environment. You're not just it's not just tech. You need the teaching element. You need you know the creative element, and um, there are more women involved in, in in that side. So you get more of a, a female perspective or women leaders in in that area. Um, and I know when we think of tech, we always think it's like mostly men, mostly white, you know, coding somewhere in a dark room. Um, but with with sectors like ed tech, it allows it sort of like allows women to sort of filter through and bring the the other um, the other skills that we tend to shine on, even in things like you know, 
it's going to sound incredibly sexist, but things like, you know, organization, attention to detail, those sorts of things that um, that you need to get a project live. So we're not going to be like, that are coding things, but they are definitely driving the tech and the content. Mm. And, and Chloe, what, what's your take on this? Do you think ed tech is, lex, is less sexist than other areas of tech? Do you, do, do you know why that might be? Um, I've got a slightly different view on this. Um, so yeah. I, I actually qualified as a teacher um, myself before I set up my previous education company and taught in the dental area. Yeah, so I, I have taught before myself. So I can relate to that. But the reason really why immersive education started was because of how I learn and I learn in a very practical way, but the way it was taught is really, it was is very theoretical and there's many academic areas like that. So that's why really is because I wanted something then I was going through uh, the dental qualifications to learn something more, you know, bridge that gap between theory and practical learning. But I think ed tech is so broad. So you've got ed tech in primary, secondary training, university, um, you know, other CPD training. So I think it's so broad. Um, so my experience in it, in that I actually work with a lot of men in terms of, um, so we have authors and content writers who are expertise in their areas. And a lot of them are actually men. Um, so I don't actually, uh, we do have, you know, women in our team and we do coordinate with, um, collaborate with a lot of dental, different dental consultants who are men and women. But I think um, I've, I've not experienced it to be, easier in terms of it's still you know it's still technology driven you still come across challenges so I think you know and um I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say from speaking to I suppose my other um sort of friends who are founders and and um you know other uh, ed tech founders uh, and other ed tech founders and other other like I say other founders in other areas we all have our challenges they're just different um so yeah, I, I'm not I'm not sure whether it's friendly. I, I don't know. I, I can't really say yes or no. I suppose it's just my experience in that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know really. I, I think it just depends what what area of education you're in, to be honest, and what experiences you have and what challenges you have. Um, but I do agree with um, um, Rose's and Jess's point in terms of. Um, you know, I think there is there is a lot of leading women leading in ed tech, and that's fantastic to see. And I think together we, we're very collaborative. Um, so that's a real yeah, that's a good point. Great. Um, so the big question is, um, how does the tech community? How, how do how does everyone in the tech community, but I guess particularly the women um, who recognise that there's an issue? Um, how do we permanently smash through the barriers and inspire the next generation of female digital professionals. Um, who'd like to start with that hot potato? How about you, Josef? Okay. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think we have to, I think a lot of it's communication around perceptions. You know, um, I was at a conference last week um was mostly women and it was it, we were trying to ask that same question like how do we get more girls in stem um and a lot of it is the perception that stem's just 
men in white lab coats, which it's not, obviously. Um, I, I like to broaden STEM out to STEAM so that then we get more creative girls or girls that are into creative things and see like, well, you can be creative in a digital way. And I think girls more now, you know, with all the different uh, technology that's out there and how user-friendly it is, they are more interested in how they can use it. So we have to change how do you use it to how do you drive it? How do you create it? How do you um, move that forward? Um, so I, th I think in, in initiatives like Innovate Her, um, you know, the, that's a great initiative trying to get girls from age 13 to 17, I think it is, before university to engage with learning about technology, learning about coding, learning about the different roles in the tech sector, that it's not just, it's not just about coding. You could do lots of different things. So I think it's changing the conversation. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and Chloe? What do you think we can do to inspire the next generation of females into this world? Yeah, I think it's all about, um, I think it helps having role models um, and having women that um, put themselves out there to share knowledge, to have a platform to, um, you know, as Jess has said, like um, uh, amazing companies that innovate her they um, it's, it's making sure that they can access that content and that, um, you know, that information really and I think um, it all comes from that collaboration piece so I think you know there's a lot of amazing um, uh, you know female tech like I said earlier female tech um, uh, groups and networks and I think just making sure that platform is set for yeah for new for new girls and women to come through and I think making it clear that where the opportunities lie so there is so many opportunities in technology that you don't have to be a developer to be in technology as, as i i not um but you know i love technology but it's not something i'm going to be doing day in day out um so i think it's you know there's other options to be involved in technology and um yeah i think it's just providing that information and ex um, experience mm. And, and Rosie, uh, would I be right in thinking that um, that at Set Squared um, you deal with some um, student enterprises as, uh, uh, often? So you 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 work with with young people, with young women, I would imagine. Um, what what would you say? Yeah, so I, I think you know there's a certain inevitability about this as well. You know, there's a report the Institute of the Future and Dell um, said that 85 percent of jobs that school leavers are doing. Um, in, well, we'll be doing in 2030 haven't been invented yet and that, you know I think there's there's maybe there's some truth in that in terms of the tech sector maybe not in terms of other sectors I think there will be nurses and teachers but you know in terms of the tech sector um, I think that's gonna that's really true and um, and so actually we're going to have to have more women involved because that's uh, the majority of the jobs out there are going to be tech related um, so um, I think in terms of uh, the, the students that I, I see coming through university, what I, what really strikes me about them is a they're very entrepreneurial in a very natural way, um, but also they they see themselves doing portfolio careers. They, they don't see themselves as doing one job anymore, and and potentially doing a startup or being involved in technology or someone else's startup is is very much part of their agenda. So. Um, and it may be that they go and become a lawyer for a bit, and then it may be that they go and um, do some teaching. But you know, all these skills that they're building, and uh, and the kind of 
the 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 problems that they're identifying as they go through those other roles actually build can build these these skills up um and you know they'll be dealing with, with tech in all those jobs and then for me what's exciting is when that all comes together and they create their own company and um you know they they then they become the funders of the next generation coming through the angel investors and i think the role models there um i would echo that in terms of angel investors who are absolutely vital to to our economy of startups mm. and i i love to see as more female angel investors coming through mm. Chloe, you mentioned just now about the importance of female role models. Um, can I just ask each of you which have been your uh, strong female role models throughout your careers? Rosie. Oh. <laughs> um, that's I said Rosie because Chloe looked like she was thinking. <laughs> I prefer not to use role models. I, I prefer because actually my role models are male and female, you know. So I'd say that actually, my, um, I've got a lot of friends who we we kind of peer mentor each other, and I think that's really important. And it's not just professional peer mentoring; it's also on a personal level. And you, you could call it going for a drink, but <laughs> but actually, um, you know, we do talk about work and we talk about us and you know our, our, where we see ourselves and, and problems we have at work and and i think it's you know especially when you're doing a startup being involved in meetups and being involved um with those um other other women that are running businesses is, is really key so so i think for me I, i've learned i wouldn't say i've got i see obviously i've got role models that i see who are very high profile female tech entrepreneurs um but it, but for me the, the real inspiration comes from those that are much closer to me and on a day-to-day level mm, cool just seth how about you um yeah so it's probably because i'm older now um i kind of realized a few years ago that it's very dangerous to make heroes of people <laughs> because you know nobody's perfect but I really admire um, people that persevere through adversity. Um, so I will always cry at a sporting documentary because it's like they did it. <laughs> and I'm so proud and, you know, or just, you know, so um, I, I, that's, that's for me personally, that's who I look to, you know, people that triumph through, over it through adversity. Um, I'm very always for the underdog. I think maybe that's why I've stayed in Britain so long because the British do tend to like the underdog. Um, they complain about the underdog, but they, you know they do champion the underdog. Whereas in in the US, it tends to be more about the winners. Um, but in terms of for for females, I think and we do need we we need more female entrepreneurs that get the sort of profile that Mark Zuckerberg gets and Jeff Bezos gets because you know. 10 year olds, eight year olds know who they are, you know? So if you see that, then you can see it. Well, I want to be the next Mark Zuckerberg or I want to be the next, but you know, so we need women to sort of be pushed through at that level profile so that girls can say, I want to be the next, you know, Chloe Barrett. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, Chloe, Chloe, female Um, role models, do you have any? Um, yeah, I think I think like Rosie said, I think I do have some sort of you know higher profile ones that I've either you know been following them, read books, and sort of look up to in terms of wisdom that they've gone on a journey and um, you know thought you know I suppose knock down um, barriers in 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 the business world um, and done amazing things. I think I think I, I suppose in a role model. 
I would always look, I do always look for people also that I can relate to. So it's very easy to say, you know, these have done amazing things, but actually they may have not had your upbringing, your social background, your, you know, your availability of resources to hand. And I think you also need to look at people that have have a similar um, sort of, you know, maybe not being as, as lucky um, in terms of, you know, they've worked really, really hard for what they've got and they've been resilient and they keep on working forward no matter what. And I think their role models in terms of you don't have to have loads of resources to your expense. You actually, you you build a business in a, you know, in a lean um, way in terms of, um, yeah, being resilient, being lean and just being, yeah, being, um, having courage to keep on going and looking for opportunities. So I think, yeah, I think role models should be relatable as well. Um, and I agree with Jeff also and Rosu in terms of, I think, there's many role models that I see um, that I can sort of bring names up uh, and that I see um, on a on a monthly basis who could be you know colleagues or friends and they've done something amazing and I look up to them as a role model too. So I think it's just so broad. I think having a couple in mind is always good um, to to sort of think of and be changed as well <laughs> as you grow and as you go through your journey. Mine have certainly changed. Of um, you know yeah. Uh, Rosie, question for you. Um, when a woman comes to you uh, saying, I've had an idea, a great idea for a startup, what's that first conversation with you like? Do you have a particular pep talk that you give them? Are there, are there certain questions that you want answers to before you'll give them your blessing, as it were? So I, I think for me, um, a lot of Oftentimes, when when people have ideas for startups, they 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 have a great, it is all you know generally always a really great idea, um, and there's a passion there, and you know the, and there's an excitement, and it generally comes at a time of life. You know, I had I did my startup after I'd had my kids. You know, it's kind of suddenly I'd had room to 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 think. So so generally, there's the it's about life situation as as well as well as the idea, but but more than anything for me, it's about the, that they've thought about it as a long-term commitment, um, because doing a startup is a is a ten-year job, and it, you know, anyway, or it could be longer. Um, hopefully, it's shorter. Hopefully, you exit it in five years, and you and then you can go and buy your yacht. But um, but actually, for me, that that is a differentiator. It's seeing beyond the actual idea. It's seeing beyond the first fundraise. It's it's looking at it as a as a journey. And actually, this is why second and third time entrepreneurs are generally statistically much more successful because they know the journey. And so when they start it again, they're very realistic about it. So I think, um, you know, that's that's what I look for. And and, and if that isn't there, then I, I would say, look, think about this and you know maybe come back and, and we can talk about it again. But I think it's, you know, give we you know it's, it's a really, really hard thing to do. And it's a it's a life commitment, and it's a commitment with your family. You know, you, you take a pay cut for many years, and um, you know maybe just at a time when you're returning to work, or, or you know when you're leaving university and you could be going to work for Deloitte. You know, so there's it's a it's definitely a, a life choice, and I think that's a very key thing to to see. Hmm. Um, I'd like to to finish just by asking each of you what your plans are for your fantastic um, organizations. Um, 
when lockdown is lifted, when things go back to normal, looking ahead for the next 12 months. Um, Joseph, what's what's on the horizon for you and near life? So um, I think as soon as lockdown's lifted um, and we can get back into our office building, we're going to have a face-to-face -face team meeting, which will be great. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's been waiting for several months and while it's been really helpful and great that we have that you know there's no substitute for for face-to-face -face interaction especially when you're trying to collaborate on projects um, or you just have an idea that you want to speak to someone and you don't have to set up a meeting so that'll be great we have been working this since the beginning of the year on a VR version of our authoring tool which we hope to launch in October um, so provided that there is no quarantine in the, or a second spike uh, we're going to be launching at DevLearn in Las Vegas. Um, so everything seems to be on track for that, uh, fingers crossed. Um, yeah, so that that's what we have short term ahead of us. That's very exciting. And, uh, and you, Chloe, what's happening with Immersify? Um, so um, I suppose during lockdown, some quite exciting things happened for us in terms of because we're offering, um, you know, digital resources and interactive and engaging content. Um, we saw um, an increase, especially through our um, sort of B2C um, side. So we have a B2B and a B2C. Um, so, yeah, I think in the next 12 months, because of that, we've created an, um, a really interesting community program for students. Um, so that's, that's sort of... That was, yeah, that just brought overwhelmingly amount of um, positive results for us. So we're going to be continuing to work with that, work really closely with our um, dental student consultants who we have on board and our writers and just continue to develop. So we've got a lot of development in the pipeline. Um, and yeah, I think for the next 12 months, so we are also um, going to be, well, we're looking to close a raise um, in about 12 months time. So I'll be going out, um, I think in the next, uh, well, I've already sort of you start conversations early anyway, but I think definitely um, maybe going out and, you know, potentially meeting and um, doing maybe some pitch events, either that be virtual or physical um, during the next 12 months. And yeah, doing just many things. We've got, um, so sort of we're growing the team um, towards the end of the year as well. So we'll be, yeah, we're just currently um, sort of in conversations with a few new team members and yeah, just, just really just growing really and um, got a few new partnerships in the pipeline so just seeing how they mould and yeah, just really excited for the next 12 months. It's an, it's an exciting time for you given that universities will now be uh, switching to a blended learning model. That's really good news for you, isn't it? Um, and Rosie, what's what's in the pipeline for the Set Squared partnership? I mean, it's... It's actually been really insightful these past few weeks because everything we do has translated really well online. So all of our um, workshops, all of our events, we've done uh, two massive pitching events and, and got another one coming up next week with 18 companies pitching. Um, and actually, I think we, we will probably never go back to how we were before. We will probably do um, a lot of the same in terms of um, remote. Um, our incubators is probably it's a bit harder because they're physical spaces so that's a, that's a kind of different issue but in terms of the support around companies you know we are we welcome any innovative company that is interested in continuous innovation might want to work with the university on R&D uh, you know we work a lot with Innovate UK um, so you know we're always on the lookout to meet new very exciting companies um, <laughs> great 
Great. <laughs> okay. You heard, you heard it. You heard it, everybody. Um, uh, we're out of time. Um, thank you all for a great conversation. So much to think about. Um, if you're a female tech nerd out there watching right now on the verge of maybe making a switch from teaching or something else to your own startup, I hope you'll feel inspired. Thank you so much and a fond farewell to our guests, Joseph Garcia, Chloe Barrett, and Rosie Bennett. Find out more about them at near-life.tech, immersifyeducation.com, and setsquared.co.uk. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye.